Hello, everyone. This is the JML for Real podcast. Yes, that is right. This is the JML for Real podcast. And this is your host, JML, coming at you right now, flying solo this afternoon. And uh, yeah, going to be giving uh, initial reaction and week one recaps. So yeah, I'm gonna, this is our first glance at most of the teams in the league. And uh, I, I must say that I was very, uh, I very much enjoyed week one of the NFL season. Uh, this year. There was a lot of good games on. There was a lot of uh, interesting storylines at play. There were some upsets. There were some comebacks. And um, yeah, no, um, really, it's just great to have football back. It's great to have that first full slate of games on Sunday. And uh, a lot of questions answered, a lot a lot of questions created. Uh, some teams that we thought we knew the identities of uh, just were completely opposite on Sunday, uh, whether for better or for worse. And um, some teams gave us what we expected from them. But all the teams gave us a uh, all the teams gave us a show that was worth watching. Well, maybe not all of them, but you know, for the most part, at the very least, each team now has some storylines attached to it, and uh, a little more uh, clarity in most cases, and uh, a lot less in others. But yeah, no, we'll be going through everything um, uh, game by game. Uh, you know, starting with the uh, one o'clock games all the way through the all the way through the Sunday night game. And uh, we'll, we'll take a look at the, what Sunday had to offer. Now, uh, in addition to that, we'll also take a quick glance at the divisions at the end of the show. And, um, you know, just s- some reactions, maybe some overreactions to week one, but uh, we'll temper expectations and, uh, you know, just, just have a good time going through this. All right. So let us lead it off with the first game. And that was the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Houston Texans. All right, so uh, obviously throughout the whole offseason, you heard me multiple times talking about Houston as the clear worst team in the league and uh, not sure where they were going with the team at all. And, well, you know, uh, not not right for the season, even, even as most recently as my, uh, as my predictions uh, for the NFL season, like uh, final standings and whatnot, I, I put them on one win, and I wasn't even 100% sure that I was comfortable about finding that win for them. Well, it turns out the, for at least one week, they prove, uh, they prove me and a lot of other people wrong. As they get that first win out of the way, the first week of the season versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. All right, a few things. Number one, we learned that Jacksonville is still very much rebuilding. Yes, they have Trevor Lawrence. Yes, they have some pieces. It, lined up for the future and yes there are going to be a lot of growing pains this season um trevor let's start with trevor lawrence trevor lawrence threw his first touchdown pass of the season As a matter of fact he threw his first three touchdown passes of the season hooking up with dj chark marvis uh marvin harrison and um uh chris manners so uh his favorite target of the afternoon was lavisca chenault Completing seven passes to him, and um, as as a whole, the uh, be, besides the 332 yards that Trevor Lawrence uh, threw for, the offense didn't generate much much in the form of running attack. Trevor, Lawrence, so you know you're looking right off the bat, three touchdowns, 332 yards. It sounds like Trevor Lawrence had a great rookie debut. Well, he also turned the ball over three times, so there is no doubt that Trevor Lawrence is an amazing talent. But the, the fact of the matter is, 
when you throw a rookie quarterback to the flames, like the Jaguars are throwing, uh, like the Jaguars are throwing, uh, throwing Trevor Lawrence, there are going to be severe growing pains. And in this case, it was a three interception game. So, you know what? It's going to happen. Um, the good news is when he was on, he was on and Trevor Lawrence looked sharp throughout the game. So, yeah, and that's it in the nutshell. This this game summarizes what probably summarizes what the Jaguar season is going to be like. Flashes of brilliance, an occasional win, but ultimately just a lot of growing pains to get this rebuilding franchise to where they need to be towards the end of the season. On the other side, we have the Houston Texans. The Houston Texans came out and they were ready to take charge today. Um, a, a few a few things that really stick out was the fact that. Um, we now know who the lead running back is going to be. It's clearly going to be Mark Ingram as he got 26 carries in the opening game. Some thought it was going to be David Johnson. Others thought it was going to be Philip Lindsay. Nope. Turns out to be Mark Ingram. Uh, we also learned that Tyrod Taylor isn't finished, that he can still be a quarterback on the NFL level as he threw for 291 yards and a pair of scores. And uh, we also saw that Brandon Cooks is very much as much of a star as he's always been hauling in 132 yards worth of passes the defense obviously had the three three, three turnovers and uh yeah um much better than i thought it would be uh veterans like christian kirksey and justin reed all all contributed then desmond king had himself a nice game zach cunningham had himself a, uh, a decent afternoon and uh, all in all this Texans team might not be as bad as it was advertised as a matter of fact, it's not going to be as bad as it was advertised because they were never supposed to score 37 points in week one. Um, a lot of people had the Jaguars winning the game. And, you know, the the fact of the matter is uh, the, the Texans not only won the game, but they won in an incredible fashion. So congratulations to them there. Um, hopefully this helps them, uh, you know, uh, helps relieve some of the sting of the Bill O'Brien era, and uh, they can move forward from here. So, uh I'm still not going to go crazy and predict this this team to make a full turnaround. I mean, granted, you know, let's be realistic. They beat a team that had one win last season. They beat a team of three turnovers from a rookie quarterback. But with that said, this, the outlook is not as bleak as it was a week ago. And, uh, you know, maybe this team can begin its rebuild. Maybe this team can get going in the right direction. We all hope for them that uh, – the sting of the Bill O'Brien era has begun to heal. All right, moving right along. We have the Los Angeles Chargers at the Washington football team. Uh, this, honestly, I feel like we learned a lot from this game. But first, we, first we need to start off with um, the biggest storyline of the game, and uh, that was losing uh, Fitzmagic uh, in the first half. Taylor Heineke came in, and he, he did well for uh, for the Washington football team. But um, it has come back that uh, that uh, Fitzmagic has a hip injury and that he is going to be missing substantial time. We don't know how much yet. We don't know if his season is over yet. But we do know that it is a it, it, it's a pretty it's a pretty severe hip injury, and um, we will learn more hopefully by the time we do our next show. And uh, yeah, so 
hopefully it's it, it's a good recovery for him that the team can win in his absence and that they can keep uh that they can keep around in the playoff picture but uh you know in the end washington lost their quarterback they lost the game and um you know a lot of people are a, a lot of Washington fans today aren't feeling like this is their year anymore. I'm just going to tell them, don't go crazy. You still have an elite defense. I get it. Chase Young didn't get a sack yesterday, but he was going against Rashawn Slater. Like, you know, honestly, we, we, we called this. We, we said that there was a chance that that Chargers offensive line was going to Hit, limit the damage caused by the defensive line and Jonathan Allen did have a sack and Montez Sweat did have a sack but the, the Washington defense wasn't awful they, they they did a decent job this game and I get it Justin Herbert still threw for over 300 yards but um you know uh, and uh, Austin Eckler still still scored first but at the same time you limited a what many believe is going to be a high-powered Los Angeles Chargers offense to just 20 points so don't go writing off your season yet just because you have a loss to a good team. And yeah, I, I get it. Only scored 16 points. But one of my biggest takeaways from this game is the Brandon Staley effect. Uh, honestly, we saw it clear, clear yesterday. The Chargers, yesterday, the Chargers defense looked more like the Rams defense of a year ago than the Rams defense looked like. So we'll get to the Rams game eventually, but they, they were gashed multiple times by David Montgomery up the center. Uh, the, they, gave out, they gave up a fair amount of rushing yards, and uh, Washington uh, and Chicago was in that game uh, well into the second half as a result of a defense that didn't live, live up to its big standard. Meanwhile, on the other side, Brandon Staley's new team that he's the head coach of, um, we already saw a flash of the brilliance of what that defense could be. We saw major contributions from uh, Kajira White and Kenneth Murray and Joey Bosa and Derwin James. Uh, the, the guys who you expected would benefit from having, you know, the guys you expected would benefit from having, um, being in a Brandon uh, Staley system. So I'm not sure that the Washington offense is as bad as it looked yesterday. I think the flash that you saw from Heineke, Keita Logan Thomas shows promise. And I think they just ran into a really good defense. Like a lot of people have been sleeping on the Chargers defense for a while, uh, not thinking the Staley effect is gonna was gonna kick in as immediately. A lot of people just wanted to say, no, oh, it's it was Aaron Donald and uh, Jalen Ramsey and the rest of the company, not not the defensive coordinator. But I think yesterday we saw clear glimpses that Staley has had a big impact with the Rams and that he's having a big impact with the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, that and, you know, yeah, that, 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 you know, that Justin Herbert's going to look good in the second season. Yes, I get it. He had a turnover yesterday. He only threw one touchdown pass, but against a very strong Washington defense, uh, he still managed to throw for 337 yards. Keenan Allen still got hit uh, nine times for 100. Mike Williams had the score that put them ahead, uh, that put them ahead to stay ahead. So, um, you know, there's a lot of good things to look at. Austin Eckler shook off the rust and uh, 
through um, shook off the hamstring injury and uh, scored the first touchdown of the NFL, of the first touchdown of the Sunday slate of games. He was limited a lot on the ground, only being held to 57 yards. But again, that comes back to that comes back to the Washington defense being what the Washington defense is. I wouldn't be too concerned. This this was two strong defenses battling it out week one, and uh, yeah. I think these offensive will form. I think I believe that the Los Angeles Chargers uh, offense is still elite. Um, I didn't see anything that would make me stray from believing that these were two good teams. I just think these were two good teams with two great defenses that matched up really well the opening week of the season. So I would not be concerned if I were either a Los Angeles Chargers or a Washington football fan. And, you know, as someone who, uh, as someone who's, trying his best to do some analysis. I'm I'm not backing off what I had expected for the Los Angeles Chargers and the Washington football team this year. And I know that, well, you know, how, how with losing Vic Magic, do you think that uh, Washington uh, is the same caliber team? Well, I think they lose some upside, but I think they gain a more consistent floor that might help them win more games in the long run. Because Magic does is brilliant and has five touchdown passes game, five touchdown pass games, but he also has four turnover games too. So Taylor Heineke um, gives his team a nice reality check into what they can into what they can be this NFL season. So and I'm just gonna leave that there as that. All right. Moving right along, and we are now up to the Seattle Seahawks at the Indianapolis Colts. <laughs> so <laughs> the thing that stands out most about uh, this game is uh, is in Pete Carroll's press conference, he accidentally used Ru- uh, Ru- Russell Wilson and Cook in the same sentence. And he's like, oh, no, I can't believe I did that. <laughs> because Pete Carroll is annoyed by the, 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 the let Russ Cook movement. And he can't believe that he took so much to the point where he can't believe he used the words in the same sentence. And uh, he was automatic. He was right afterwards saying, I'm going to regret that. So on and so forth. But you know, the truth is Russ did cook week one of the season. Um, four receptions for hundred yards and two scores for Tyler Lockett, big uh, connecting on two, uh, touchdowns on two huge plays that broke the game open in, in both situations. Uh, a late touchdown from DK Metcalf, Russell Wilson to DK Metcalf, that that really kind of sealed the deal at the end of the game. And uh, yeah, uh, all in all, um, Seattle Seahawks came out ready to play like they always do. The Seattle Seahawks uh, dominated a a strong, cult, a, a really good Colts defense. No, they didn't. You know, they didn't put up any 500 yards or anything. But Russell Wilson still threw for 254. He threw for four touchdowns. Chris Carson still collected up 91 yards on the ground, and uh, the the Seahawks made the most of their opportunity, uh, made the most of the opportunities that the Colts gained them. Yes, the Colts defense still made plays. Like we're we're not going to we're not going to minimize that defense. Like you know the the Colts defense was still strong, whether it was uh, DeForest Buckner or Darius Leonard. DeForest Buckner actually had a Turnover, if I remember correct, right? Yeah, well, Darius Leonard had a forced fumble. Quiddy Pay had a fumble recovery. Buckner 
Uh, Buckner had a, uh, had a sack and a tackle for loss. The Colts defense still did what the Colts defense does, but Seattle was able to overcome that defense with the big play and ultimately uh, preparedness that you come to expect out of a Pete Carroll coach, Russell Wilson led football team. Uh, the Colts rushing attack was not as strong as it's been in past games, probably because they were playing most of this game from behind. But Jonathan Taylor was still on fire, collecting uh, 116 total yards. And, uh, yeah, um, you know, really, for me, this game comes down to the fact that Seattle was always prepared to start the season. And uh, Indy wasn't as prepared. You know, Carson Wentz had just come back. Eric Fisher, no, not Eric Fisher, Quentin Nelson had just come back. Uh, they, it was surprises that they were both available. Um, yeah, so, and this – you know, the uh, Colts defense, so good, was not as ready as the Seahawks offense was. Uh, Tyler Lockett is still very much as big of a weapon as he ever was, apparently. I know that I've been caught saying a few times that, you know, I saw some inconsistencies in age last season. Um, I'm sure that he's not going to go out and score two touchdowns on 100 yards every single week. So I'm sure there will still be inconsistencies, but uh the, say, the aging comments may have been unfair because he uh, he definitely did not look like he had any age on him yesterday. As far as another player who didn't look like they had any age, Bobby Wagner tallied uh, 13 total tackles, including a tackle for loss. Um, Jordan Brooks slid very nicely into that KJ Wright role, collecting 11, tack, uh, 11 total tackles his first outing. And uh, yeah, Jamal Adams had a had a key stuff and uh, did what Jamal Adams does as the Seahawks defense did what they uh, uh, contained the Colts offense. Um, there was a brief moment of brilliance where um, Carson Wentz did get his first touchdown as an Indianapolis Colt. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, this was all Seattle. And I'm not sure that uh, we're going to get into the NFC West in a little bit, but um yeah, well, no, let's just cover it now. The, the NFC West really just kind of flexed on the league yesterday. I'm not sure how much of this is Indy is not going to be a good team as much as Seattle is going to be a very good team. But, um, yeah, it's uh, – so I, I wouldn't panic if I were a Colts fan yet. Um, the defense still did a lot of things right. The offense is going to take time to put together because you just have people come back from injuries. And, you know, in the end, um, the, the, the Colts are probably going to uh, be much better than this than this than uh, than they played in this opening week. Meanwhile, the Seahawks have proven that they're not going anywhere. I know I have them on the outside of my playoff picture right now, but that's because that division is so good. Um, but really, after yesterday – starting to think maybe that division can uh, put four teams in the playoff again. Uh, who knows if it's ever going to be done. This is the year and that is the division that's going to do it. But yeah, um, for, for right now, the Seahawks started off hot like they always do. And, uh, you know, we, we're definitely, um, we're definitely looking at a, a team that was prepared and ready to play. Moving right along. We are heading to the New York Jets and the Carolina Panthers. 
so yeah, this uh, it became pretty clear immediately that um, that this Carolina defense was was good. Now, part of that could be the Jets' offensive line wasn't ready to play, and part of it could also be that the Jets' weapons were not getting open early. But you know, early on in the first quarter, Brian Burns with the sack, uh, uh, Gross Mateo had a sack, Shaq. Thompson had a sack. Just just go down the list. Hassan Reddick had a sack and a half. Um, they were in that backfield all day. And you could say, well, it was against a rookie quarterback who, um, you know, who, who might not have been prepared to throw the pass uh, too quickly. And it's like, no, 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 no. Did you not watch that game? Like, because if you're blaming those sacks on a rookie quarterback, uh, you clearly didn't see what Zach Wilson did. Zach Wilson evaded probably another three to four sacks because of how sharp he was with pressure around him. I'm not saying sharp as far as throwing the passes. I'm saying sharp as far as evading the pass rush. Uh, this could have easily been, you know, with a different quarterback, this could have easily been an eight sack game for that, uh, for that Carolina front, uh, for that Carolina front. So uh, this was, I am impressed by the defense and, you know, especially since that Jets offensive line isn't necessarily known as a bottom unit, that Jets offensive line has promise. It looks like it should be one of the, uh, a, a, a pretty decent unit in the league, um, which is why a quick side note, well, not, not side note, but um, which is why the loss of Makai Becton for, for four to see uh, four to six weeks um, is, is going to, is going to hurt a bit. They lost their, uh, uh, they lost their top, Jets lost their top tackle to a dislocated kneecap during the game yesterday. So, um, but the good news is it's not season ending and he will be coming back. Uh, hopefully around the time when the Jets start to put it together as a whole. So that defense looked good. Uh, Sam Darnold was ready to play his former team. Uh, he launched a beautiful 57 yard touchdown pass to Another former Jet, Robbie Anderson, a little bit of a revenge play that uh, that Sam Darnold and Robbie Anderson weren't talking about. But let's let's be honest, they wanted to do well against the team that gave up on it. So uh, Darnold says that he holds no animosity or anything, and I, I believe him. But yeah, he he definitely wanted to show off in front of uh, in front of the Jets and the Jets fans yesterday, and he. Uh, and and he did so with a uh, with a I believe it was three hundred yard outing. Right, let me just double check that really quick though. Um, oh yeah, no. Well, obviously, I'm not going to start to, uh, stop talking. Well, I start I started to stop talking while I was looking it up. Um, in addition to uh, the pass to Robbie Anderson, he also uh, he also led his team on two additional scoring drives, and he also. Ran in a touchdown himself. So, uh, yeah, Darnold had himself a nice little game. Um, complete with uh, turnover free. So, uh, on the other side of the football, Zach Wilson took a little time to, uh, to get it together this game. But finally, in the second half, he connected with Corey Davis for a touchdown. And late in the fourth quarter, he connected with Corey Davis for another touchdown. He seemed to favor his uh, tight end Tyler, Tyler Croft quite a bit and um, um, throwing uh, three passes his way. And uh, he also completed several to Braxton Barrios too. So 
Uh, Zach Wilson got his first two touchdowns in his career out of the way. And, um, you know, as a whole, had a pretty decent game. Had a pretty decent outing for the Jets. He only had the one turnover. And, yeah. No, so uh, Zach Wilson had a good first outing. It, it took him a half to really get adjusted. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, uh, he did well. And uh, Sam Darnold threw for 279 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Christian McCaffrey ended up putting together a 187-yard uh, game. So, yeah, I was very much um, wrong about the Jets' uh, defense being able to contain Christian McCaffrey. But it's not like McCaffrey ever landed a true knock, knockout punch, except for when they were he broke a long run to, uh, to r- help them run out the clock at the end of the game. So, um, so yeah, at, at the end of the day, this Jets defense – uh, the, the, this Jets team is in a very situ- uh, similar situation to where the Jaguars team is. It is clearly rebuilt, rebuilding. He had some flashes of brilliance from Zach Wilson. Um, it, you know, the two touchdown passes that, uh, with, with only one turnover. But at the end of the day, there was a lot of plays where if the Jets weren't hitting the big play, they were averaging like one yard per play. Uh, some of that comes back to the fact that the rushing attack was not uh, – as strong as Robert Sally would want to, uh, would have wanted it to be, but at the same time, it's um, you know there are going to be growing pains. There's going to be learning, and the, the the Jets took a good step in the right direction yesterday. Albeit, they have to take many more steps in that direction in order to get back to relevance. Meanwhile, Carolina did what they had to do. They won the game. Sam Darnold looked really good in his debut with the Carolina Panthers. The defense looked amazing, and Christian McCaffrey is fully back to form. Um, he's he, he's going to be a problem for defenses around the NFL this whole season. It was pretty clear that he was ready to play. They, they gave him the ball in the first three plays of the game. They gave him the ball early. They gave him the ball often, and he, he made the most of those opportunities. But piling up over 180 total yards. So uh, McCaffrey, ready to dominate again. That defensive line, excellent. That front seven, excellent as a whole for the Panthers. And Darnold looking to uh, looking to be the, their quarterback of the future. So uh, I'm not sure that I'm ready to overreact and say that the Panthers are going to be better than I thought they would be. Because, uh, you know, they beat the New York Jets. And they beat the New York Jets by five points. That's not ex- that's what that's what they were expected to do. Um, I'm not willing to take the Jets off of where I had them around the five win mark because this game is is roughly what I expected this game to be. Maybe I expected the Panthers to score one additional touchdown, but at the end of the day, these are two teams that are both rebuilding, both heading in the right direction. Panthers are much further along in the process and. Who knows? Maybe they have a shot at truly challenging. All right. Moving right along, the Minnesota Vikings and the Cincinnati Bengals. And somehow the the Bengals made a, the Bengals won their first game against a against a pretty good Minnesota team, a pretty decent Minnesota team. Uh, they won 27 to 24 in overtime after uh, after some fourth down heroics with uh uh, from Joe Burrow to uh, to the tight end. So, um, yeah, um, 
Burrow got it really started off. He threw pass, touchdown passes uh, to several of his weapons, um, including a huge 50-yard touchdown pass to his uh, to his former college wide receiver, Jamar Chase. And that was really the beginning of breaking the game op- open for them. So uh, he threw his first touchdown pass of the game to T. Higgins. And then he led uh, a long, live, late, uh, long drive late that uh, was capped off with Joe Mixon touchdown. Joe Mixon um, had 127 yards on the ground. Jamar Chase had 100 yards, uh, 101 yards in the air. Um, CJ Yuzma and Tyler Boyd, Mixon all got used in the uh, uh, in the passing attack. Mixon had 150 yards total in the game. A lot. Um, this was the Bengals. Uh, the, the, this is the Bengals offense that we thought we were going to get midsummer before the later training camp and the preseason really disappointed us. So uh, there is hope for Cincinnati after all. This this team might actually be better than. Uh, than I thought it was uh, as recently as last week. Um, the defense tackled soundly. The defense came up with a huge turnover on Dalvin Cook in, in overtime that set up the game-winning touchdown. Um, that, that was uh, stripped by Jesse Bates and recovered by Jermaine Pratt. So there was a lot to like with what – there was a lot to like with what the Bengals did yesterday as they – held off Minnesota to win, win their home opener and uh, really put themselves uh, in consideration for a, for a team that uh, may be better than initially thought. On the other side of the ball, uh, with the other team, Minnesota, Adam Thielen had two touchdown receptions from, uh, from Kirk Cousins, Dalvin Cook. Uh, amassed a lot of yards and a touchdown. Dalvin, well, Dalvin Cook did not amass a lot of yards. It was only 104 total, uh, only 61 on the ground. But Kirk Cousins threw 351 through the air. Uh, Justin Jefferson took a while to get started. Thought he had a touchdown late, but uh, it was ruled down on the half-yard line. So uh, Justin Jefferson may be a little disappointing for fantasy managers yesterday, but still caught five passes for 71 yards. Uh, K.J. Osborne came out of nowhere, seven receptions. So, uh, yeah, this um, – Minnesota passing attack is as good as it was. And we all know Dalvin Cook is going to be Dalvin Cook at some point in time this year. So um, so I, I would not be concerned about that at all. Um, again, you know, need to temper expectations. How good are Minnesota and Cincinnati? Uh, they're, they're not teams that a lot of people were predicting for deep runs in the playoffs. So um, fortunate enough to be playing each other week one to get, uh, to get it started, you know, not not some sort of incredible mismatch. So I'm not going to, I'm not willing to say that either one of these teams is as good or as bad as they looked yesterday. I think they are two solid teams that are going to need to win games like this in order to make the postseason. And uh, the Bengals caught the win and the Vikings did not catch the win. So, so that's where both of them just kind of stand right now. Um, with that win, uh, uh, the, Cincinnati, Cincinnati Bengals sit along, sit on top of the division with the Pittsburgh Steelers right now. And let us jump into that game right there. So this is one of the big shockers of the afternoon, in my opinion. Um, that Bills offense was supposedly matchup proof. That Bills offense was supposed to come out um, Stay ahead of Pittsburgh the whole way. 
like they did last year and just put up a ton of points. And instead they score 16 points on the day and were ultimately the reason why they lost. Like, I know that I'm not going to take any credit for calling that there would be some regression with Josh Allen because I'm not, I didn't see this coming. Like 21 incomplete passes on 30 or 51 throwing under 300 yards of 270 and one touchdown. Um, I didn't see that coming. I didn't see Stephon Diggs only having 69 yards. It's, and I know this offense isn't going to be like this. Matter of fact, I don't think this is an indictment on the Bills offense at all. I think this just really is how good the Pittsburgh Steelers defense is. We saw big plays from TJ Watt, uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, Cameron Sutton uh, going, you know, clutch defended passes and huge sacks. Cameron Hayward, um, just a lot of, um, you know, just, just a lot of strong play from that defense. Melvin Ingram got uh, involved with a tackle for a loss. And uh, really, at the end of the day, uh, yeah, this defense did as much as they needed to do to contain one of the most high-powered offenses in football. Now, might some of this be on Buffalo? A little bit of regression because a lot of career years last year. Maybe some of it is. I'm not. I'm not about to. Uh, I'm, I'm not about to claim any victories there off, off of one week of performance against a defense that we all know can be a very elite defense. Um, I'm not going to put down the Buffalo offense right now. I'm just going to say that this Pittsburgh team is a lot better than I gave them credit for um, in recent weeks. This defense is still as strong as ever. ever. Um, it can clearly contain anyone by what we saw them do on the road yesterday in Buffalo. And this team can win like this. Najee Harris is going to get better as the season goes on. He was on the field for 100% of the Steelers' snaps. They're clearly going to use him. Uh, I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing that, th- that they're forcing uh, so much on him because, you know, really – the truth is he had he had less than 50 total yards yesterday with being on this field 100% of the snaps. But he is going to be a good, solid workhorse running back for them. Uh, the offense was slow. The offense only scored one touchdown. A big Ben pass to Deontay Johnson late to really just kind of uh, uh, to, to take control of the game and give Pittsburgh their first lead. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, Will this offense be better? I'm not 100% certain. Like, Ben completed 18 of 32 passes. Against a Buffalo defense, that could be better. But maybe that's Ben getting old. So, I I don't – this – the Pittsburgh Steelers offense raised more questions for me than they did answers. So, I would just say let's look in future weeks. Let's – see how Big Ben, Juju Chase, and Deontay do, and uh, yeah, and see what this offense can become. If this offense can become anything that resembled last year, 
then this Steelers team can be really good and potentially even push for another run. Uh, they had the knockout punch on the block punt yesterday that was returned for a touchdown, and that's uh, they never looked back from that point. But yeah, it's um, a great um, three-unit effort from the Pittsburgh Steelers yesterday, and they go on the road and steal a a huge upset victory from a team that had uh, that was being talked about in the AFC title game. So maybe expectations have shifted a little. Maybe the Steelers are more in the conversation than the Bills. Again, one week, let's not over-speculate this. But maybe one of these teams isn't as good as everyone has thought, and maybe the other team is, isn't as regressing as, the, uh, as a lot of people have thought. So that's just some food for thought there. Um, it could just be that next week Buffalo goes out and scores 50 and Pittsburgh loses. But for me, I view this as a statement that Pittsburgh is very much still alive in its AFC playoff picture. More so than I view it as a high level of regression for the Buffalo Bills. So I would still be, not be concerned if I was a Bills fan, and I would be excited, no, really excited, if I were a Steelers fan. All right. The game with the biggest statement of this week was clearly the Arizona Cardinals marching into Tennessee and just taking it to them, ripping them a new one, and just really saying, yeah, you got a big three? Well, we have a complete team. Uh, Ryan Tannehill clearly wasn't ready for that game. The big three clearly weren't ready for that game. They fell behind early. That takes Derrick Henry out of the equation. Um, by the time A.J. Brown got on, it was too little, too late. And, you know, Julio did not make a, a huge impact in his first start. Um, I, I was caught saying numerous times on both this show and in my articles um, that I write for World and Sport. World and Sport, thank you for allowing me to write for you. So big shout out to them. Definitely check out some of the articles that I write for them. Uh, I, I'm doing three weekly for them now throughout the NFL season. Maybe even a fourth occasionally if uh, if the timing is right. But yeah, um, this big three that I spoke so highly of that I said there was no way to stop until there was three or four weeks worth of film on. The only way you could beat these Titans for those three or four weeks was to outscore them. Man, was I wrong. This is yesterday's big three, everyone. Derrick Henry, 58 yards on the ground. A.J. Brown, four receptions for 49 yards and a touchdown. And Julio Jones, three receptions for 29 yards. For an incredibly pedestrian 140 yards total offense between the three of them actually only 136 so yeah um the titans were not uh i i'm gonna go into a nice little debate that maybe i shouldn't and uh you know feel free to call me out for it in the show notes feel free for, to call me out on the facebook page with this by the way this is a good segue to uh you're not a part of the J Mill for Real community, you should become a part of the J Mill for Real community. 
Uh, the Facebook page will be linked in the notes below. And uh, follow me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Everything is a full go for the NFL season. But, uh, yeah, no, we can spark this debate on the page if you so want to. Um, this is why veterans and starters should be playing preseason football. So they don't come out week one of the season flat and embarrass themselves. This Titans team clearly needed to play together. And as a result of not playing together during the preseason, this crazy big three led the team to 13 points in the first week of the season. So this is why there has to at least be some. Meanwhile, Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City starters were able to come up with a huge comeback versus Cleveland, which we will cover later, as a result of having playing time with each other in the preseason. So I'm, I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, feel free to come at me because you, you, easy, you obviously have ammo too because you can point out injuries and whatnot. Um, but – you know, I, I just kind of think if an injury is, go, is going to happen, it will happen either way, whether it's in the preseason or week one. There is no right or wrong answer, but the Titans are a very clear um, case for starters playing in the preseason. With that said, I've crapped on them enough. Because this game to me is more about the Arizona Cardinals and the level of dominance that they displayed in this game. Chandler Jones, five of the team's six sacks, five sacks. A guy who didn't want to play for uh, the Cardinals anymore because, you know, he thought he deserved a larger contract. Well, guess what? He's going to be getting that larger contract but because he's putting up a five-sack effort to start the season against a difficult opponent on the road. The rest of his defense excelled also. Huge defendant passes from Buda, uh, Buda Baker and uh, Byron Edwards and – yeah, no, Byron Jones. No, no. Which, wow, I am confusing player names really quick. And Byron Murphy. Wow, I can't believe I got that one wrong. Huge deflections from Buda Baker and Byron Murphy. A big interception from uh, Isaiah Simmons. And uh, just a lot of great play. Chandler Jones, in addition to those five sacks and two force fumbles, covered by Marcus Golden and Corey Peters. The defense just dominated start to finish. And, uh, Really, you know, J.J. Uh, Watt has secured a tackle for the loss. Uh, Mike Dugby had, had the other sack for them. And, uh, yeah, start to finish, the mix of a strong veteran presence with young superstar talent really paid off for this defense. And this Cardinals defense looks scary. And this Cardinals offense looks just as scary. Kyler Murray threw four touchdown passes. Two of them to DeAndre Hopkins, another one to uh, or another one, no, another two to Christian Kirk. Rondell Moore got involved in some gadget plays. AJ Green, you know, ha had a quiet afternoon. Um, the the rushing attack, though nothing, uh, though no individual star, it um, they did pile up uh, 136 yards between three uh, between three different rushers. And again, Kyler Murray had a one rushing touchdown on the ground for. Touchdown passes to the air, 289 yards. This is a complete team win. The offense looked amazing. The defense looked like a juggernaut. And really, this Cardinals team made a statement that, that 
they have declared they are as good as anyone in uh in the nfc as good as good, good as anyone in the nfc west this is part of the big flex that the nfc west did week one by with four incredibly decisive victories we'll get to the 49ers and rams in a little bit but uh we saw the seahawks come out and take it to the colts high-powered offense we saw the cardinals just thoroughly dominate the tennessee titans in all phases of the game and uh yeah this defense uh, this division is as good as advertised and these cardinals are much better than the six seed in the nfc playoffs that i projected them for and i know i shouldn't get crazy it's week one but here's the thing i was afraid to predict this for the cardinals but i saw where it could have been a possibility throughout things that were happening in the offseason and the preseason. It's just, you know, you don't want to get too wild with your predictions because suddenly, uh, you know, you, you get called out for being too crazy. I, you know, I, I should have just been too crazy with this team. And, um, yeah, this is a brilliant Arizona Cardinals football team. Moving right into the San Francisco 49ers, uh, what can you say? They just dominated this one start to almost finish. I say almost finished because at the end of the game, the Detroit Lions made this look much closer than what it was uh, by getting touchdown, two-point conversion, onside kick, touchdown, two-point conversion, and then turning over San Francisco one more time to make people think it was possible they could even tie the game late, which is so utterly ridiculous to me. Um, San Francisco's got to make sure to not do that versus a good team. Now, we're, we're going to give them a pass because it's week one. They had a giant lead against a bad team, and maybe they lost some focus, which is not a good sign. But at least it happened versus Detroit rather than happened versus a, a divisional opponent and, uh, and rather than happened against uh, other tough teams on the schedule. And maybe they learn a lesson from it because it's already happened. And like, yeah, no, we can't take our foot off the pedal again. And we just have to make sure that we're when we're blowing a team out, we're going to continue to blow them out. Uh, a few things to note. Trey Lance had his first touchdown pass for the San Francisco 49ers. It was actually the first touchdown pass of the game for them. Um, Debo Samuel had a monster game calling in nine receptions for 189 yards and a touchdown. Eli Mitchell had a came out of nowhere and had a huge game on the ground for 104 yards on the score. Jermichael uh, Hasty had another score on the ground. The 49ers rushing attack piled up like 130 yards. Um, it's We have to bring up Raheem Mostert is injured and uh, going on the further evaluation. So they played much, uh, a lot of the game without him. So, uh, yeah, we, uh, we have to wait to see what happens with that. But... Um, 49ers rushing attack, still good. Eli Mitchell, excellent game. Uh, Jimmy G threw for over 300 yards to score. Was very efficient with his passes. Overall, this, uh, this team just did really well. They broke the game wide open uh, late in the, in the first half when Drake, Lane, uh, uh, Drake Greenlaw picked off um, Jared Goff and returned it for a touchdown. Apparently now, Jared Goff three seasons in a row has thrown a uh has thrown an interception for a touchdown versus san francisco which is just kind of a crazy stat as a whole uh the 49ers defense was 
for the majority of the game was as good as it's as it's been in the past. Nick Bosa, three tackles for a loss and, and an additional quarterback sack. He came out strong to uh, in his comeback. Fred Warner continues to show why they gave uh, why they gave him the money in the offseason, piling up eleven tackles that game. And uh, you know, overall, the 49ers just took it to them. Um, on on Detroit side of the ball, T.J. Hawkinson did have a big game for them, but uh, you know, surprisingly, Jamal Williams actually uh, outgained uh, yeah outgained DeAndre Swift in yards. Though to be fair, Jamal Williams had 110 total yards, and DeAndre Swift had had 104 total yards. So that's two different running backs. It's all enough touches to get them uh, to get them both over 100 yards, whether it be through you know, rushing or receiving, and uh, Hawk had 97 yards and, and a score. So just uh, a huge comeback from the Lions. The offense was much better than uh, than we all thought it would be. Uh, there were no kneecaps bitten off yesterday, so uh, that's a good thing. Um, apparently, San Francisco wore uh, extra knee pads, uh, you know, or at least joked about wearing extra knee pads. Um uh, early on in the game, so that way uh, Detroit couldn't bite them off. Uh, <laughs> you know, and that's not that's not even me joking around about it. That was somebody else uh, in the San Francisco or- organization who who made that joke, and it, it it you know it went out on Twitter after that. But uh, you know, Jared Goff did throw for 338 yards for the Lions, but a lot of this was just in that weird time of the game where when the game should have been over. at 41 to 17, but the Lions just decided that they were going to try to win it way too late. Uh, final score was 41-33, but um, it never felt that way at any given point and never felt that close at any given point in time. Um, but yeah, San Francisco with the scare and should be a better team for it. Again, just another NFC West team that came out and thoroughly dominated and dominated their opponents again. It's um, I can't emphasize it enough. It's it's going to be a great division. All right, moving right along, and now we are up to the Philadelphia Eagles versus the Atlanta Falcons. Oh man, this is another one that I wish I was more vocal about before, because uh, you know when I initially did my. Uh, record projections i accidentally put philadelphia eagles up to nine and eight and i'm and i'm kind of like no nah, i need to go back and i need to fix this and make it look a little more realistic yes i like what the eagles are but there's no way they could be a nine and eight team this year well i kind of wish that i held my guns and just predicted them at that because what was there not to like about that 32 to 650 yesterday uh jalen hurts is the man in philly He's clearly the man in Philly. He piled up uh, 326 total yards, 264 through the air, throwing for three touchdown passes. He looked uh, sharp connecting with uh, Devonta Smith early, Jalen Rager late, and uh, Dallas Goddard right before halftime. Those were the three people who scored the touchdown. Uh, the rushing attack was strong. Uh, they, they piled up almost 170 yards. Miles Sanders, uh, Kenneth Gainswell, and Jalen Hurts also activity in the running game and uh, looks like they actually have a pretty decent three-headed monster. Sanders led them with the 74 yards. Kenneth Gaineswell 
had uh, had the touchdown for that group. And uh, really, they just they just took it to a what we know is a bad Falcons defense, but at the same time, they just showed that it was a bad Falcons defense. And I don't think that it comes down to the, the, that defense being bad. I think that this team has the potential to do this sort of game to a lot of teams in the league. There's a lot of things similar about this year's Eagles and the Ravens of two years ago. And I know that's a, that, I know that's a bold statement because that team was 15 to one in the regular season, but um, yeah, no, you can see the similarities and who knows, this could be a very exciting season for Eagles fans. They limited Matt Ryan, the defense limited Matt Ryan to just 164 yards passing. They bottled up Mike Davis, 49 yards and 15 carries. Uh, Cordell Powerson did do some good stuff, but uh, Calvin Ridley had, uh, held in check. Kyle Pitts held in check. That whole offense held in check. Um, really just a complete dominating effort from both that Philly offense and that Philly defense reflected in the final score of 32 to six. Uh, and, you know, we saw, and it was a lot of the usual suspects on the defense. Uh, Javon Hargrave uh, converted a brilliant preseason into a two sack, two tackle for a loss game. And uh, just really led a, uh, a rushing attack, oh, uh, a, uh, a front seven rush uh, that, that almost had 10 stops behind the line of scrimmage. Well, uh, no, it was eight stops behind the line of scrimmage. So, yeah, no, it's um, the, the defense did an excellent job of never allowing that Falcons offense to get set and just a thorough domination while the offense displayed what we can, what we can come to expect from it in the future. I know we shouldn't get too high too early on a team or too low too early on a team. But uh, if the Falcons offense is going to struggle like this, which granted, I think this is good defense from Philly and some struggle from the Falcons offense. But if the Falcons offense is going to have games like this, the Falcons are going to be a really bad team. Um, you know, we saw flashes of brilliance from Detroit and Houston yesterday. Uh, if if trends if week one trends remain unchecked, the Falcons could could potentially be the worst team in the NFL. <laughs> now, granted, that's not going to happen, and that offense will click at some point in time. But it's pretty clear that their defense is not going to win them games because Philly could have easily scored more than thirty-two points. It's just they chose a very methodic, grinding out approach to the offense that really that really allowed them to control the game in all aspects of the second half. And um, yeah, the Eagles look like they're for real. And you could argue that, you know, sitting atop the NFC East at one and zero, with the other three teams, zero and one, that there is a chance that the Eagles could not only be in contention for the division, but win the division this year. So, again, not going too crazy, but, um, yeah, you had to like what you saw yesterday. All right. Now, from a game that you had to uh, – <laughs> well, let, let's go to just another um, dreadfully awful game from yesterday. Um, not for the Saints, but 
just hard to watch as a whole. The Saints came out and shellacked the Green Bay Packers 38-3. to uh, This is what an offseason of not working out does to a guy like Aaron Rodgers. Uh, or, you know, I, I get it. Some people are saying that Rodgers is sabotaging the Packers because uh, they're forcing him to play for him, uh, them. Um, I, I doubt that. That's just going to make it that much harder for him to receive a payday with the next team. I, I, I'd like to think that Rodgers isn't that spiteful. I think that a lot of this comes down to he was just not prepared to play because, well, because limited preseason usage and no off-season off workouts. So uh, part of this could also be a, a huge statement for the New Orleans Saints. But, uh, you know, I question it. Like, you know, the, the popular theories were that either – the Packers wouldn't be, be ready to play because Rodgers wasn't ready to play uh, because he spent an offseason doing what he was doing. Um, and the other half thought that if he was just going, that he was going to go out there on a little bit of a wrench tour. I flip flop on it back and forth, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, the two interceptions, the 133 yards passing uh, speaks for itself. Um I mean, I, I'm, I'm not going to accuse him of sabotaging, but I didn't know Aaron Rodgers was capable of that. So I think it shows how important off-season training and workout is. Uh, if this were to continue, then who knows? Maybe I'll, maybe I'll start to accuse him of sabotaging, or maybe he's, maybe he's just not as good as he was a year ago. I, I don't know. I can't. This doesn't make any sense for that offense for me. Like under 300 yards total for the game. Maybe, maybe the Saints defense is just that good. Uh, who knows? It's not the usual suspects who did it for the Saints defense. No, it wasn't like Demario Davis had some sort of crazy brilliant game. It wasn't. It wasn't uh, Cameron Jordan. Uh, as a matter of fact, did, did Cameron Jordan even play this game? Because he's not registering on the stat sheet at all. Yeah, Cameron Jordan didn't even have a stat worth noting this game. Um, yeah, Marcus Williams did have an interception, but uh, Adebo uh, had another interception for them. The sacks were picked up. Marcus Davenport had a, uh, had a sack. Uh, I'm not going to try to pronounce the name <laughs> well i definitely will have to look up how to pronounce that name later on because um yeah but you know really when you look through this it's um i don't know you don't see what the saints did so i think we're so for me i'm going to chalk this up to rogers was not ready to play because of the offseason so it might take a few games to get him into uh, into this uh, into shape for this season, and it could be a rough start for Green Bay. Um, if this is any sign of what's to come for New Orleans, like I mean, I say it like that, but yes, the rushing attack was amazing, and Jameis Winston threw five touchdown passes, but he only threw 148 yards. Like, like he 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 threw five touchdown passes with only 14 completions, like uh, you know, a big touchdown pass to uh, Deontay Harris and a couple to uh, Jawan Johnson. It's 
how the Saints won this way is a huge mystery to me. I, I didn't really get to see the game. I saw it through the through the highlights. And when and when I was going to write the article about the game, I, I was getting ready to write about this brilliant 400 yard performance, a 400 yard five touchdown performance by Jameis Winston. And I see that he only threw for 148 yards. And I'm just thinking to myself, I'm kind of like, okay, so how did this happen? Like, there weren't a ton of turnovers. Yeah, this was this was just this final score and the way that the scoring happened was just had to just be making the best of what this was like a best case scenario for the Saints. It, it was making the best of what happened. And I don't know if something like that is repeatable. So I'm not willing to stray off of what I thought the Saints were just because they have a big 38 to three blowout over the Packers. Um, I put the Saints as a uh, lower end playoff team this year. And I'm going to keep them as that because a lot of this game seems to be more about being opportunistic on the part of the Saints rather than dominant. And granted, opportunistic can get you a long ways, but um, but that 38 to three is very misleading. So expect the Packers to turn around in a couple of weeks. It could be a slow turnaround. And expect the Saints to come back more to earth, you know, not be beating everyone 38 to three, but still expect the Saints to be a good team that plays sound defense and opportunistic offense. All right. Um, we're getting a little close to, to the hour mark for the show. So I'm just going to blow through two games very quickly and then uh, cover one, uh, the, the game, final game that I want to cover the most. Uh, I will be, just to let everyone know, I will be putting the Bears and Ram, Rams game with the Monday Night Football game and uh, the show that uh, I will be releasing tomorrow. We'll be doing a further look at all the injuries of week one and, um, you know, breaking down wherever she stands. But, uh, you know, just going to go quick goes-throughs on the uh, Broncos over the Giants and the Dolphins over the Patriots. And then we'll spend a few extra minutes on the Browns and the Chiefs to wrap up this uh, week one slate. Um, Saquon played and was incredibly limited by a strong Broncos defense. I would not be panicking if I, uh, about Saquon if I were a Giants fan. You know, uh, only getting 26 yards on, on 10 carries and uh, uh, one reception for one yard. Um, he's coming back from an injury. He was – it feels like he was rushed to be ready for this game. He wasn't on the same – he wasn't on the timetable that he should have been. So the 11 touches total is uh, is about what I thought that he would get this first week uh, in that 10 to 15 range. So I wouldn't be too concerned. Saquon Barkley will return to Saquon Barkley form within the next couple of weeks. Uh, they just have to keep him healthy. One wonders why he was playing against the Chargers, uh, against a Broncos defense that's as good as it is. I'm, I'm just going to shrug and say, you know, the, the Giants know what the Giants are doing, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, their, their fans certainly don't think so. But, yeah, um, bright spot for the Giants was Sterling Shepard caught seven passes for 115 yards and a touchdown. But really, at the end of the day, this uh, 
this Giants defense did very little to get anywhere against what is a really good Denver Broncos defense. Uh, Von Miller had a had a great game back, uh, had a great first game back. He recorded two sacks and uh, three additional tackles for losses. Uh, Josie Jewell came up with a really clutch uh, forced fumble. Um, really clutch forced fumble late in the game to uh, really secure the victory for the Denver Broncos. And, you know, the, the Broncos went on to win 27 to 13. Uh, Melvin Gordon had a huge knockout play, a 70-yard touchdown run. That really kind of skewed his numbers because, you know, outside of that one play, he was had, uh, you know, he had 10 rushes for 30 yards, a very mediocre game. But that big knockout punch happening the way it did right after the Jewel turnover um, really just kind of put some exclamation point on it. Um, Javonta Williams, 45 yards on the ground. So Teddy Bridgewater proficient. He only missed eight passes, 28 of 36 for 264. And he threw a pair of touchdowns to uh, Tim Pat, uh, to Tim Packers, Patrick and uh, Albert O. Um, the chemistry that I thought I saw with uh, Cortland Sutton during the preseason didn't translate so well into the regular season. But um, I, I guess we'll uh, I guess we'll see. I, I can't imagine that Cortland Sutton is going to have too many stat lines where he catches one pass for 14 yards. I'm going to chalk that up to good coverage from from the Giants secondary, which it could be one of the more underrated secondaries in the league. Uh, Jerry Judy did leave the game with an injury, so we'll learn more about that in the in the near future. Hopefully, he doesn't miss any significant time with uh, for, for the Broncos because uh, you know the offense looked pretty decent, and uh, he was Bridgewater's favorite target, pulling in six receptions for seventy-two yards. So yeah, you know o- overall. Um, the, the Broncos went out, showed a strong defense, and beat a bad team. Uh, Saquon Barkley is going to take a few more weeks to return to Saquon Barkley form. And the Giants really need to uh, focus on finding an identity, um, especially if Saquon doesn't return to the form that uh, to the form that he had in his last complete season which was his rookie campaign. So yeah, uh, moving on to the, uh, moving on to the Patriots and the Dolphins. Um, what's there to say about this game other than the Patriots just dominated it and found a way to lose? Over 280 yards of rushing, over 560 yards of total offense. Um, one grinding drive after another at uh, in the second half that that they could only turn into field goals. Um, a lot of people might see, see this as 17-16 as a as a great defensive struggle struggle between two teams, but um, uh, the Dolphins' defense wasn't great. The Dolphins' defense was opportunistic. Meanwhile, the Patriots' defense held the Dolphins to under 300 total yards. Um, Mac Jones, through his first touchdown pass of his career, looked pretty sharp, completing 29 of 39 for 281 yards. Damian Harris went over 100 on the ground.
And why did I say that the Patriots had? Oh, my bad. Um, yeah, the Patriots didn't have 500 yards of offense. Wow. I just, you know what? Uh, when I was preparing for this show, I, I would like to apologize. When I was preparing for this show, I added up the receiving yards as, as, as the rushing yards. Wow. What a awful mistake. Patriots only had over 400 yards total offense, which is still pretty impressive, but they didn't have any 280 on, on the ground. They, they had about 230 on the ground. Well, uh, yeah, that's very bad on my part. I need to correct that in an article too. Wow, that, I definitely lost some focus there. So I do apologize for, uh, for misleading information as far as that one goes, but, um, but the Patriots still did have some serious grind grinded out series in the second half. Their first possession in the second half, uh, they went uh, 77 yards in eight minutes, put a field goal on the clock. Their next possession, they five and a half minutes, they put another field goal on the uh, clock uh, on the board. 14 plays for that one. And they were in the middle after inter after intercepting uh, to a tag of Aloha. Um, the pick by uh, uh, the pick was by uh, uh, by Jones after being forced by um, Hall for pressure by Matthew John. I am sorry that I'm sorry. Oof. Sinuses today, <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, they got the interception more pressure pressure from Matthew Judon, uh, and um, yeah, they were driving. And they were deep, uh, and they were in, well into, um, well deep into Miami Dolphins territory, going in for what could have been a, well, a touchdown, and you know, a two point conversion would have give, given them uh, a full seven point lead. But Xavier Howard came up big, and I get it. I was all over Xavier Howard this off season. I still think he's a diva. I still think that he is. That the, that the Dolphins shouldn't have given in. And, and I still think that he's the type of player that um, that, that, he is a, that he has a very poor attitude. And that he's the type of player whose antics may hurt the locker room in the future. But he proved uh, his, his worth in this game. When they were going, when the Patriots were going in for the score, he stripped the ball from Damian Williams, uh, not Damian Williams, Damian Harris, and he turned it over, and Miami was able to run out the clock from there. He literally get, he literally allowed his team to steal a victory yesterday in a game in which they were outplayed. And this is a huge game because, you know, especially with Buffalo losing yesterday, uh, this was the game that put you, this, you know, put Miami in sole possession of first in the AFC East for a week. This is a game that's going to have playoff implications when trying to get to the playoffs later in the season. And this is a game that you can't have back. It's, it, it's a divisional game. It's a conference game. It's a game versus a rival that you are going to be in close playoff contention with to make a spot. This could have been the reason why the, the Dolphins make the Patriots. Uh, the Dolphins make the playoffs and the Patriots don't. So who knows? At the end of the day, the Dolphins stole a win that they didn't earn. And the Patriots have to live with that this week and find some way to come back.
wake-up call for both teams. Dolphins realize they have to be better, and Patriots realize they have to seal the deal. And I'm sure that uh, both teams will learn from that and that they'll come out next week even more prepared. All right, the final game that we are covering is the thrilling Cleveland Browns at Kansas City Chiefs game. Um, final score, Kansas City did not have winning 33 to 29. Um, and, you know, just a great game start to finish. Mm, no, no, it wasn't. It was the Cleveland Browns dominated in the second half, in the first half. And the Kansas City Chiefs dominated in the second half, showing why they are the best team in football. Uh, the Browns, Nick Chubb and, and company just took it to uh, the Kansas City defense in the first half. Um, they had 15 points on the board before the Chiefs even scored their first touchdown. They had a 15-3 to lead. They had a 22-10 to lead at the half. Baker Mayfield looked sharp. The defense looked like it was containing Kansas City, not, not stopping, but slowing them down. And the rushing attack looked unstoppable. And then the second half came. Chief lead off the second half with a Travis uh, um, with, with a Travis Kelsey touchdown. Pass from Pat Mahomes. Uh, from Patrick Mahomes. His mother wants us to call him Patrick. Uh, the very quickly the Browns turned. Nick Chubb coughs it up, and the Browns turn over the football. That was uh, Thornhill and um, uh, Neiman that were in on that uh, turnover. And, um, yeah, and before you knew it, the Chiefs kicked the field goal, and they were only down 22-20. to 20. At that point in time, the Browns made a statement that made me believe in them being a serious contender. They marched. Baker Mayfield led that team down the field. They marched down the field and capped off a drive, uh, capped off the scoring drive with a two-yard touchdown run from Greenberg. They took time off the clock and they went up by two scores early in the fourth quarter. Champion teams do that sort of thing. So Cleveland has as far as I'm concerned, has answered the call as far as being one of the elite teams in the AFC because they were able to put together a drive like that. But then Kansas City came back and just truly showed how dominant they are and truly showed that if they are really trying to win and if they are healthy, they will find a way to win. Took them one play, 75 yards, a bomb from Patrick Mahomes to you know who, Tyreek Hill. And they were within two points. The Browns then go with a. Uh, the, then go for quick series and have to send the ball back to um, send the ball back to the Kansas City Chiefs. And I actually need to double check and make sure that this wasn't a turnover here, because I definitely do not want to um, mislead. But I'm I'm pretty sure this was a uh, I'm pretty sure this was a turnover on downs. Browns were 
no, no, this wasn't a turnover on downs. Yes, it was. Um, yeah, so uh, Cleveland got the ball back after that huge touchdown uh, reception by Tyreek Hill. Completely deflated. Get minus 10 yards on four plays and turn the ball back to Kansas City. A few short passes later, and Travis Kelsey scores his second touchdown of the game. Chiefs missed the two-point conversion, but still have the 33-29 to lead. After that, Cleveland managed to punt, then they managed to stop Kansas City, and they had one final shot. Little under three minutes left to go in the game. They took it over one more time. Had a chance for heroics. We're starting the drive. Got 31 yards in the first four plays. And you're starting to think, again, for a moment, who knows? Maybe they can grind out this clock. Maybe they can prove that they can hang with intensity. And maybe they can prove that they really can be the class of the AFC. And then interception, Mike Hughes. Throughout the whole second half, Chris Jones played the the Chris Jones played the played the Browns. Thornhill, Sorensen, Neiman, Nick Bolt, rookie Nick Bolton. A lot of a lot of excellent defensive play throughout the second half. Explosive play from Mahomes and Hill and Kelsey. It's all the usual suspects. It's all everyone that you expect to do it for the Chiefs. The Browns had that moment where they could have proven that, yes, we are in that category with them. And they failed in that moment two out of the three times. So, yes, is there optimism for Cleveland Brown fans this year? Yes. But it's very much underlined by the fact that the Chiefs fans know that as long as they're healthy and they play their game, there's really no one in the NFL that stacks up. Very sobering thought for the rest of the league. So, yeah, and, uh, you know, you could give the excuse that, you know, this is early on in the season, the Browns team hasn't fully gelled. Um, because that's one of the things that I was saying when I was saying why I thought the Chiefs would win this game. But the truth is this Browns team had a huge lead gelled completely in the first half and proved that they were ready for the challenge and then gave it up or had it taken from them. So, yeah, um, the road to the Super Bowl travels through Kansas City again. And, uh, you know, in order to win a championship, you're going to have to beat that team at some point in time. Okay, so that's... uh, yeah, that's the NFL. Um, the AFC West is also uh, undefeated at this point in time with the Raiders going into Monday Night Football. We have uh, Ravens at Raiders tonight. The, the atmosphere of this game is going to be incredible. Um, this is the Vegas version of the Black Hole. This is fans back in the stands. This is the new stadium. All hail our Roomba overlords. Uh, this is just, uh, man, this game is going to the atmosphere of this game is going to be amazing. And it really should just help protect, uh, propel 
the Las Vegas Raiders need a victory. Because, you know, stuff like this only comes once. And uh, Allegiant Stadium is ready to have fans. Vegas, the Vegas Strip is ready to have fans. Las Vegas is ready to have fans in the stands and create their new version of the black hole. And what better way to kick this off than on Monday Night Football, week one of the 2021 season. And, uh, yeah. So now that I've given my homage to uh, to the Raiders, uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, can you, Autumn? Can you tell? Uh, can you say thank you to everyone for listening? Thank you, everyone, for listening. Yes, my my daughter has joined me at the end of this podcast, and uh, can you say thank you, everyone, for being a part of the show? Thank you, everyone, for being a part of the show. And can you tell them to give us five-star ratings? Give us five-star ratings. And then can you say, because you're super cute? Because you're super cute. Oh, no. no. Can you say, because I'm super cute? Because I'm super cute. Yeah, isn't that amazing? And uh, who is going to win tonight? Is it going to be the Ravens or the Raiders? The Baltimore Ravens or the Las, Las Vegas Raiders? Is it the Raiders? So you think the Raiders are going to win tonight? I hope so. So you heard it from uh, Autumn that she hopes the Raiders are going to win tonight. Can, 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 you, can you say, go Raider Nation? Go Raider Nation. Can you say, the return of the black hole? The return of the black hole. And can you say, this is J-Mill for real signing off? This is J-Mill for re-signing off. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.